0: Many times when choosing a payroll service, you have to choose between a new startup with a great app or an established company whose tech may feel behind the times. With OnPay, you get the best of both worlds, a great app from an established company that's been providing payroll services for over 30 years in all 50 states. Stay tuned to hear more from our sponsor, OnPay, later in the episode.
1: So what it it makes me think is that the, the ultimate goal the only way they're ever going to achieve this valuation or to justify it is if they can eliminate the people so if pilot but
0: that's what's weird about this i don't know if you saw the article when it got covered by cnbc so usually when we see these tech enabled accounting firms that are trying to quote unquote eliminate the humans right eliminate the bookkeepers we're going to engineer and use ais for everything yeah the narrative has changed with pilot
1: Welcome to the Cloud Accounting Podcast. I'm Blake Oliver, and I'm David Leary. Well, here we are, <laughs> end of March. End of March. Tax season's been uh, pushed out. It has. Uh, it has. But it doesn't feel that way for most tax pros because the actual stuff you have to do uh, by April fifteenth for most clients still has to get done. You still got to calculate those estimated payments. That that deadline didn't get delayed, and so that's why. All these accounting associations are saying, "Hey, come on, IRS, you gotta you gotta delay this other stuff too, otherwise it doesn't help us out." So, mixed bag there. Almost better if they didn't extend it because then clients wouldn't be confused,
0: and then people wouldn't you know push things out till tomorrow, which which I get. Yeah, um, it's yeah. easy to push things out. Uh, did you see? Uh, actually, we kind of have tried this yesterday, but you know, is if we don't have enough inbound as it is, right? You know, people, anybody can just send you a LinkedIn message. Right? Okay, with yeah. a message yeah. and everybody can send you a Facebook Live message and a Twitter message and anybody could send you an email. Well, our good friends at Slack have now let people do the exact same thing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right, any, anybody can contact you or invite you to connect across any organization. Interesting. That was always one of the limitations of Slack was that it was like within your own domain, your own organization, you couldn't communicate outside very easily. Which arguably was good, right? So you had this like boundary a little bit. Right.
0: like hey it's that's that's the place for work conversations when I'm done I turn it off. Yeah. And so just if you donors haven't seen this yet, they rolled out this week Slack rolled out the ability to just invite somebody. So in my Slack, for example, at Slack at Melio, I could just invite Blake at wherever his work Slack is and now he's now we can chat to with each other just like we could on WhatsApp or some other chat app. Right. But we're using Slack to do it. And, but they, but I didn't know if you knew this, Blake, they actually ro- rolled back. The, they scaled back the rollout um, this week. Yep. I heard that. Cause it started out in the same way LinkedIn, where people can send they can choose to connect with you, but they can also just send you a message. Well, the way this was rolled out in Slack, the very first time you connect with me, Blake, you could just, if you had my email address, you could just basically send me a Slack message. And so they've rolled that back to where all you can do now is request to connect with me in Slack. Right. Before yeah. you send me, a message. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I think this is the scariest, craziest, most insane thing.
1: Well, I, 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 I guess I, I don't know. I don't think it's a big deal. Like do you, people don't realize like, with Zoom, you can do the same thing. Any Zoom user, if they have the app open, you can send them an invite to connect and chat with them directly. They don't. You don't have to be on their domain. <laughs> so if they
0: both have if they both have Zoom open,
1: yeah, interesting. Yeah, if you know the email address associated with their Zoom account, you can try to chat with them on Zoom. But like Zoom chat is one of those things people just don't really use for some reason. I don't know why. So I, I think this kind of got blown out of proportion. You know, in, in a way, it's like possibly really helpful. Most I mo- mean, if it existed years ago or when Slack first started,
0: you and I wouldn't have had to spin up our own private Slack channel together. So maybe it'll help eliminate some of a lot of the private Slack channels that you created that people just do for two people to communicate. But at the same time, if all these apps are just going to become basically an inbox mm-hmm. why not just use email like, like what yeah. is the point of all of these apps if we could just use email instead
1: well and the thing is i don't know how interested our listeners are actually in us talking about slack because i feel like most of our listeners are on office 365 and they're using teams yep. right which doesn't have this feature but then i saw this survey in cpa Trendlines saying that only nine percent of firms are using im or chat well, actually, it's, it's 9% of firms are using it to contact clients and prospects or to talk with clients and prospects. So like this feature that we're talking about potentially could be used in that way. But most firms aren't using IM or chat to talk to clients and prospects. Do you want to hear some more stats from the survey? It's kind of interesting. Like what, what are we using to communicate with clients? 88% of firms are doing face-to-face meetings still. 64% use postal mail to communicate with clients and prospects. About half are using a web portal. A little less than half are using text messaging. 44% are using text messaging. And I thought that was interesting because, you know, I'm all about meeting clients where they're at, using text, and, and that's a, a big number. But here's the one that shocks me. Only 37% are using virtual meetings like Zoom. So phone and email, still the dominant way that people are communicating with clients, you know, not, do, not doing the Zoom thing. Interesting, right? Uh, and 30% use social media.
0: Do you think this is a result of accounting firms not adopting technology and not adopting
1: these other communication methods? Or is it just because that's where their clients are at and they're just meeting their clients? I guess. Where yeah, maybe it's just because that's what clients want to do. They want to chat on the phone. or, or. Uh, but I just found it interesting that text messaging is more popular than virtual meetings. That, to me, is strange because we've been hearing about how Zoom is so big, so big, so big. But maybe it's not as big as we think. Well, I think nothing is as big as text messaging. I think you've said this back in the past, the amount of text messages that go out and text messages are a little bit more asynchronous, which is nice. What, what do we want to talk about this week, David? Like, um, What's big on your plate? I, I could go through some of my stories here. I've got a lot of tax stories. Given this tax season, I'm always paying attention to that. And I have no tax stories, so that's <laughs> okay. good. So, so there's all this stuff that's come out recently. And I guess this always happens during tax season because it's relevant um, or it's... Uh, uh, timely, it's it's all about how the IRS is failing to collect taxes from millionaires and billionaires. IRS audits of millionaires plunging because they're understaffed, failing to collect two point four billion dollars in taxes from millionaires. And, and you know these stories have a populist bent to them, so they're 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 kind of like a attack the top one percent, get sort the of, man, then yeah. Get them, yeah, yeah. They play well in the press. Uh, like basically, the the gist is that our system is set up in a way that it's very easy to evade taxes and not pay your taxes if you don't have employment income. So anyway, I've got stories about that. And then there's the big one about uh, Pilot raising money from Jeff Bezos. Jeff Bezos, founder of Amazon, is investing directly into Pilot, which is a software plus services accounting firm with engineers.
0: It's an accounting firm with engineers, yeah.
1: So Jeff Bezos owns an
0: accounting firm. (laughs)
1: Or part of an yeah. now. And it's like a significant amount of money. It's a hundred million dollars Series C. And I think it was it was already reported as sixty. And then I guess he's well, put, I think they took sixty in January, and this is a new this is a new round. round. It's crazy. And they're valued at one point two billion dollars. One point two billion dollars. So I have some I have many thoughts on that. Thoughts on that? Okay. What else?
0: Zero is helping push people. So open banking, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, one part of the open bank open banking standard that exists is that users have to reauthorize apps
1: after 90 days mm. and so zero's uh trying to push to help stop that um requirement. And, and that's sucks because that means that you have to get your client to reauthorize a bank feed In this is in the uk right yeah every 90 days it disconnects and they have to reconnect it that would suck if we had to do that here Especially with the amount of
0: banks and the amount of clients you have. Yeah. You'd be basically constantly doing this. So, th- so that's a little bit of a weird dance. India um, is requiring, if you're using accounting software, you have to have the audit trail turned on and you can't disable it. So, that's an interesting thing that, that it's The government in India, in India but, is requiring. Yeah, the government's requiring that. this. Wow. So, that'll be interesting to see if that is a process that eventually comes everywhere else. I pilot as well. Uh, BQE, one of our first sponsors ever, they had a, an investment round. And then another one I found interesting is Ease, uh, which is an HR tech app. And they do HR tech and payroll. And their whole model is having insurance agents sell it to small businesses and train small businesses on how to use a payroll product. So they're kind of bypassing accountants entirely. So those are kind of my, my, my top stories I would like to catch up this week. Uh, so what, what do you want to start on? Uh, let's talk Pilot. I mean, that's $100 million. Even though there was another app, when we get an app news that is way bigger than that. But let's talk Pilot. <music> this episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by Odoo. Do you have a client that has outgrown QuickBooks or Zero, Or do you have a client that is still on QuickBooks Desktop Enterprise Edition because all the current cloud accounting offerings lack the depth of features and controls that your clients need? Or maybe you have a client with legacy desktop ERP system and they are ready to move to the cloud. Let me introduce you to Odoo. Odoo is a highly customizable cloud ERP system with everything your clients need, including dozens of built-in app modules and thousands of third-party apps. The accounting and invoicing modules are always free, so there's no reason not to give Odoo a try today. Head over to cloudaccountingpodcastpromo slash odoo. That is is forward slash o d o o.
1: Okay. Okay. So here's the details, right? So I'm not clear on the actual total amount of financing they have raised. I think last time we talked, it was like 120 million total that they've raised over all of their fundraising. Now they're reporting their Series C as 100. So I'm not sure if that's another 40 or another 100, but either way, it is a lot of money. Okay. Over $100 million that they have raised. And that gives them a valuation of $1.2 billion.
0: Which is pushing them if we remember scale factor from before. This is arguably now now they've been one of these accounting firms and the engineers that have raised the most
1: right. money. So they're the biggest. And they've got direct investment now from Jeff Bezos' private, you know, family office and investment firm, whatever you want to call it, is his money <laughs> personally. So that's it's called for- Bezos Expeditions. Yeah, that that's great. So that's a big deal coming from a guy who's, you know, basically disrupted all of retail <laughs> like mm-hmm. is is bezos going to does he think that accounting is ripe for disruption in the same way i i wouldn't i wouldn't be a, a better against bezos generally I, I i so that concerns me but i'm a skeptic of the entire business model of pilot <laughs> and but before we get to that let's just put this money in perspective because a 1.2 billion valuation is a lot of money to high valuation. And like, so what does that actually mean? Because like, everyone says, oh, they're a unicorn now because they've achieved a billion dollar startup valuation. Well, let's put this in context of the accounting profession. So if you go to the accounting today, top 100 firms list for 2020, and you look at the top accounting firms, you just start going down the list. You can see how much revenue they have. That's one of the ways, that's the primary way they are ranked in terms of size. Yep. And we all know that accounting firms are traditionally valued at one times their annual revenue. Very easy. Maybe it's a little higher than that. Maybe it's a little lower than that, but generally it's around 1x. So if you look at the top 10 accounting firms, CLA, which is number eight on the list, has $1.145 billion in revenue in 2020. They've got 848 partners, 4,412 professionals, 120 offices. That's a pretty substantial business there right
0: so so you're saying, based on our historical ways we value we we value accounting firms now pilot is a top ten accounting firm based on the way we typically value the valuations we put on yeah, accounting firms they
1: are the number eight accounting firm in the I don't
0: know based if it's- on valuation. Based on valuation, not re- I guarantee you it's not revenue. <laughs> I'm not even in the
1: top two thousand on revenue. Well, this is what's crazy about it, right? Is so, so, so they're valued as, as as higher than the the number eight accounting firm, and right below BDO, by the way. Okay, so it goes Deloitte, PwC, EY, KPMG, RSM, Grant Thornton, BDO, now Pilot in terms of valuation. And like you said, in terms of revenue, how many, uh, how much revenue do you think Pilot has? I mean, I estimated that they had like no more than a thousand clients.
0: I think I think we we figured that out in February or February whenever we talked about them last. Right. It, they they kind of claimed how many they had or they were about to approach a thousand again, which is about the same size as Scale Factor.
1: Now I don't know how many clients they have, but yes, there was a statement from their founder in a press release or in an, a news article actually, where they said that they had helped over a thousand businesses since they started, which to me means that they've had over a thousand clients. Now they may not even have all those clients because there's churn.
0: There's a lot of churn at this level of the market. We know this for a fact.
1: So here's a business that has what number of clients in the thousands maybe. And now I'm just going to ballpark it right around a thousand. And they're valued at the same as an accounting firm that has 4,412 professionals, like five, over 5,000 people in the firm.
0: Oh yeah, those those so, the, those firms at
1: that level, they're running with 35-40,000 small business clients. <laughs> so, you know, that's kind of crazy to think about it that way. And and I'm not sure what to think. Like, I mean, I, having run a online cloud-based bookkeeping practice and seen just how people intensive it is even when you utilize technology, I just don't see how the margins are there to support this valuation. Right? They're being valued like a software company but they're a service business. They're an accounting firm. They're using a lot of tech. So what it, it makes me think is that the the ultimate goal, the only way they're ever going to achieve this valuation or to justify it is if they can eliminate the people. So if Pilot- But that's what's weird about this. So yeah. the, I
0: don't know if you saw the article when it got covered by CNBC. So usually when we see these tech-enabled accounting firms that are trying to, quote unquote, eliminate the humans, right? Eliminate the bookkeepers. We're going to engineer and use AIs for everything. Yeah. The narrative has changed with
1: Pilot, though, in this article. So- Oh, oh, and and let's not minimize the significance of this article. Like, so Pilot made it into CNBC and the headline of the article is Jeff Bezos backed accounting startup hits 1.2 billion valuation after new funding round. So like, this is cloud accounting hitting, you know, homepage of CNBC.
0: Yeah. It's That's beyond the cloud accounting podcast at this point. They should be calling us for some commentary. CNBC should. There we go on this. So, but they refer Pilot's employees, mostly former accountants, are assigned work direct to work with directly with small businesses. So they're, they really talk about how human involved in this is. Right. And the founder talks about that it's quote unquote tech enabled, but Pilot itself is not a software company. We make money from subscription fees. So it's a human powered accounting firm that just has a subscription billing model, which is a lot of our listeners have that model and then it goes on deeper in the article it talks about so this is the the one of the investors index ventures with their partner mark goldberg so he was an early investor in this and uh, he says that the narrative in silicon valley is very focused on using software to optimize for everything but pilot is taking the opposite approach by adding people back into the mix so th- it's crazy because they have software valuations, but they're building a people business. Like none of it, none of the numbers add up. This is just like scale factor again. The numbers just don't make sense.
1: Right. People don't scale. It's just so weird to me that this is happening. So, how many clients would Pilot need to have to justify this valuation? So, if you go to Pilot, what is it? Pilot.com, and you look at what they charge, they charge for bookkeeping, their middle package, right? They've got the classic three tiers, uh, starts at 599 a month. And they and their middle plan though goes anywhere from like what, eight fifty a month to eleven fifty a month. So let's just say a thousand dollars a month is kind of like their typical client. They do have a
0: couple of uh, startups on. So I think they have some funded startups. So they must be doing some bigger back office work for some bigger companies. Right. Um Which obviously is going to be way more than that. But even still at that level, because even the, I think like the accounting firms that are like the top 200, like the 150th biggest accounting firm has somewhere between 10,000 to 12,000 small biz cast clients.
1: Right. And and that is what I calculate a pilot would need to have to justify this valuation is uh, generally to to be a billion dollar company, you need to have a hundred million in revenue annual revenue right cuz then and you multiply that by 10 cuz a lot of saas valuations are 10x i mean it could be more when the market's really frothy it could be like 20 or 30 even right but you're going to get 10 so if to have 100 million in annual recurring revenue and you're charging $1000 a month let's just say it's like $10,000 a year with discounts or something you would need 10,000 clients and i don't think they have 1000 a, a that's my guess so they got a long way to go but but then here's the thing, to justify the 10x valuation, they would need to have SaaS margins, software margins, which means margins of like 80% off of their you know, gross. So And, and you just don't get that when you have an army of people working for you. It, it's much lower.
0: Yeah, none of it makes any sense. Like, I feel it's a scale factor
1: all over again of just the numbers don't add up and don't make any sense. We will see. So uh, that's the craziness in the world of uh, cloud accounting. So Bezos is coming for a, your accounting clients, your bookkeeping clients. I mean, they're doing CFO services too now. I don't know if people realize that. It's not just bookkeeping and tax anymore. They have a whole product that's CFO services on their website. Uh, and they'll do annual bu- budgeting and forecasting, fundraising strategy and support, all that monthly engagement where they provide board deck advice. Crazy. Um, okay, so let's let's move on. Uh, what are we going to talk about next? We got tax stuff. Uh, what else did we have? You had some software stuff. We can talk think.
0: about that uh, zero thing. They yeah, ninety days let's authentication. S-
1: let's get into app news.
0: So zero uh, has a blog post. The title of the post or the artwork on the post says it's time to end re-authenticating every ninety days. So it caught my eyes because I didn't know like does this mean like re-authenticating into zero? Like where this was going? So I clicked the article and read it, and essentially open banking now exists in the UK and the whole premise of open banking is apps can connect to bank accounts they can pull data down etc but in the olden days before open banking you would in zero your accounting software you would put in the username and password and you would just be connected to that bank forever essentially until some, some until the bank changed something and disconnected the connection then you'd have to call your client and say hey, can we log into the bank again well and that's so, like
1: how it is for us here right in the yes. US
0: And for some banks, they stay connected in a much more reliable way, right? They're not changing all the time. And and it drives accounts and bookkeepers to use bank accounts with their clients that don't disconnect a lot. Well, part of open banking in that standard, even though more banks are open and there's more connections, you have to reconnect every 90 days. And so there's, if it was in the US, it'd be a bill, but there is a proposal for a paper to have this changed and so they're encouraging the users of zero to go participate in this um, and have your say in this legal document
1: because this is actually in the legislation that they have to reconnect every 90 days.
0: Yeah, and I don't I don't know where this is like in the process, right? Of, yeah, yeah, but but there's some sort of feedback being, taking place and they're encouraging the users to go give give your opinion to your representatives. I mean, it's the UK, so Like, I don't know how I don't know how the politics works, but Essentially, it would be like us hammering our congresspeople here about getting this changed. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by OnPay. Not sure if you know it or not, but OnPay was one of our very first sponsors and their support was crucial in the early success and growth of this podcast. So it has been equally exciting for me to watch them grow and have success as well. During this time, OnPay grew from an unknown payroll app into a top-rated app by CPA Practice Advisor, and in 2020, they've even received the coveted PC Mag Editor's Choice Award for Best Payroll Software. If you're wondering why OnPay is the best, it is because they handle all the complicated stuff that other payroll providers don't, like agricultural payrolls, including Form 943, multi-state payrolls, employees with H-2A visas, Even while handling all this complicated stuff, OnPay remains an easy-to-use, full-service payroll and HR app that is the right fit for all of your clients, whether you just have one employee to pay or 500 employees to pay. It'll help them stay organized, save time, and get compliant. OnPay includes best-in-class integrations to benefit providers, workers' comp plans, QuickBooks, and Xero. Right now, listeners can get three free months of OnPay payroll and HR service. To learn more. Head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo/onpay. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo/forward slash o n p a y. Onpay. Nobody takes better care of your clients.
1: Well, I've got another zero story. Zero has acquired Tickstar to drive adoption of e-invoicing globally. This was on the Zero blog. Uh Tickstar is a i think they're a swedish company yes swedish and they provide e-invoicing infrastructure and services to customers around the world now our us listeners might be wondering what is e-invoicing well it is basically the ability to send an invoice directly from one accounting software to another is that right david are you familiar with this concept
0: yes so that way i don't have to send you a pdf or paper software you just kind of
1: get it and, and Zero actually has this feature if you're connect if 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 you know another company that uses zero, you could send an invoice you could connect your accounts and send invoices directly into their system for approval and payment but very few people use this because you have to know that they're on zero and um E-invoicing isn't going to grow unless there's some sort of like third-party connector, like a Zapier for e-invoicing or something. And that's what Tickstar is. So they they help make e-invoicing networks in Australia and New Zealand. That's what Xero is using there. And so they acquired them so they can do this, I guess, more effectively there and then also uh, globally. So uh, why am I bringing this up? Because I think that the way that Australia and New Zealand innovated when it comes to paperless payments. And then that happened later here in the U.S. Uh, That's the big thing that's happening right now here in the U.S. is people getting off of checks, which they did in other parts of the world quite a while ago. Well, e-invoicing is big there right now. And I think that's the trend that's going to come here eventually, is we're going to see a move toward paperless invoicing. And basically,
0: it's, it's more than paperless, because essentially, if we're both zero users in Australia right now, I can send you an invoice and it just magically shows up as a bill in your
1: zero. Ready for me to approve, yeah. Right. And your payment, uh, I believe that like how to pay you is already in there. So I just click pay, you know, zero pays from my bank account directly into yours. It's like that easy. So that is a big deal because, because even now, if you're sending like a PDF, well, a PDF is still just digital paper. And then you got to enter the information, there's risk of fraud. And this is a big problem you know, is invoice fraud. People get a, a paper invoice or an emailed invoice, and it's from a, a fraudster. And then they like enter that and they pay it and maybe it goes to the wrong bank account, right? It's not not the right vendor. It's a similar name, but not the right vendor. This is something to watch out for in the future here in the US. This is not any specific app news per se, but
0: going forward on April 1st, so this is the Ministry of Corporate Affairs in India is now making it mandatory for companies to record audit trail of each and every financial transaction done on their accounting software. And they're going to require that your software has to have it there on and that it cannot be disabled. And nobody can turn it off. And a lot of it is to help, you know, for fraud and back to you know, transactions and things like that. But the fact that the government's may, requiring a feature of accounting software, it makes you wonder, like, well, do we see this now in other markets happen? Or it, it, does this mean QuickBooks will just add it or zero add it in India and they'll just have this in and they'll just be like, okay, this feature is just turned on for all QuickBooks users globally. It's just something
1: to keep an eye on. Governments are doing this now because they're trying to capture all this revenue that's magically not getting reported to them because we have voluntary tax reporting systems in a lot of parts of the world. And actually that's one of the reasons why invoice e-invoicing could become big is a lot of governments are mandating it. Uh, You have to use a central e-invoicing system and then the government can see everything going on in there and they can track the money flowing from business to business and then make sure that that revenue is reported. And that brings me to my tax collection of stories all about unreported tax, because it's a big problem in this country. So, David, you get, at the end of the year, a W-2 that is reported to the IRS. So, if if you don't file a tax return, what's going to happen? Well, eventually, you know, they'll get around to contacting me
0: and saying that I have to file a tax return, I'll get paid fines and fees. And if it's bad enough,
1: I guess I could could have criminal penalties and go to jail. So you cannot escape paying that. And the reason that you cannot escape paying your income tax on your W-2 job, on your employment job, is because that is reported to the IRS. And they have automated systems that can say, oh, we got this W-2 for David Leary. He didn't file a tax return. Let's create one for him and send him a bill with penalties and interest. It's very automatic. And we don't have that for business income. You know, we have 1099 reporting, but we don't have, uh, and, and that's for you know contractors and whatnot, but we don't have a way for the IRS to get reporting of business income, like business profits. This is why things like those
0: tax zappers we talked about in the show the past couple of weeks ago, things like that are out there because it's very easy to hide, hide money. High income, if you're a business, it's very hard as an
1: individual. Very easy as a business to, or a business owner, to figure out ways to not report income, and this is expensive. In a a 2019 analysis, the IRS estimated that Americans report on their taxes less than half of all income that is subject to some form that is not subject to some form of third party verification, like A W two. This is a story that I saw in the New York Times. It's called How to Collect $1.4 trillion in Unpaid Taxes. And that is the amount of money that we are losing from unpaid taxes due to people not reporting income. It's the single largest reason that unpaid federal income taxes may amount to more than $600 billion this year and more than $7.5 trillion over the next decade. It's more than half of the projected federal deficit over the same period. So if we just collected all the money that people are supposed to be paying we would reduce the federal deficit by half. Now, there is a proposal for how to fix this from Charles Rizzotti, who led the IRS from 1997 to 2002. And he says that what Congress needs to do is create a third-party verification system for business income, the same way that we do 1099 reporting to uh, freelancers and contractors and whatnot. He says that we should require the banks to report to the IRS. The government would require banks to produce an annual account statement totaling inflows and outflows. So it's similar to the 1099 tax forms that investment firms provide to their clients. So that you have to report that. This way, your bank, if you had a certain amount of inflows and outflows over a threshold, would report that to the IRS. And it would be up to you to then file a return and reconcile those cash flows to your taxable income, which Makes a lot of sense, actually. Great right? because the banks already have this info: the money going in, the money going out. Well, how much of that is is revenue? How much of that is taxable? Um, and then, and then that would give the IRS a starting point to try and find the people who aren't reporting it at all. Because right now, there's no way for them to know. Yeah, there's no. Yeah, there's no total record. And then once it's all in the same bank account, or if everything gets put into a bank account, it's a lot easier to track. And so I think it's interesting. This is coming from a former head of the IRS and And it makes me think it would work because ninety five percent of wage income is reported in this country. that's very effective ninety five percent and it's because of w two reporting and ten ninety nine miss reporting and all that right so this could this could be a solution for this problem, and it would enable us to pay for all the stimulus without having to raise taxes or at least pay for some of it. I don't know, I like this idea, so that's you know that's the big story about taxes. And there have been a ton of these stories. Um, headlines like the richest one percent hide a fifth of their income from the IRS. That's according to a study. I saw that headline. The IRS failed to collect 2.4 billion in taxes from millionaires. So it's it's a broader problem than that though, right? It's just there's this whole c- class of of income that is just not reported to the IRS. And and it's the IRS can't simply you can't simply increase the number of people at the IRS if they don't have the data to even start the audits. Right Then they're just randomly checking, but this way they wouldn't have to randomly check and, and audit in order to find the money, I guess is the idea. But you know, the problem is we're going in the other direction, right? Audits of millionaires plunged 72% uh, in recent years. It went from 40, 41,000 in 2012 to only 11,000 in 2020. And it's because the IRS keeps losing really experienced agents. They're not replacing them. They, they're underfunded.
0: Yeah, what we've, talked we've had these numbers before, right? It's easier to audit the poor because it's not complicated. The odds of you getting audited if you have real money and you have to pay real amounts of taxes is very low. And we just don't have good insight over that.
1: So, so you know, I would love to see our accounting associations. I don't know if they do this. I, I, don't, I don't see them doing this. So they're, they're all pushing for extending the tax deadline. Extend the tax deadline, make our lives easier. There's too much to do. The IRS is behind on returns. But what about thinking a little more long term and saying, hey, Congress, why don't you fund the IRS so that they can do their job so that we can do our job? <laughs> right? If you have a revenue generating part of your business or part of your organization, you don't underfund it. You give it as much money as it needs, right? The sales team, <laughs> they should have plenty of money in a business to hire the people that they need, you know, if they're generating revenue for you same thing for the irs right don't starve the government by underfunding the irs it's just nuts and it's good it would be good for accountants if the irs had more agents so they could catch up on this stuff it would just i mean it'd be good for everybody right like it would just be better uh, a
0: well-oiled machine it would be better uh the revenues would be there people everybody would feel better that everybody's paying their fair share of taxes Across the board, it's just for we just choose as a country to make that <laughs> yeah. not funded. It's kind of where we're at. Fund a, the IRS. I want to
1: get like a t shirt that says that, you know. <laughs> like <laughs> Actually, it could be your your little hashtag you could you uh, could do.
0: <music> this episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by Rewind. QuickBooks Online backups their platform, but not your clients' files leaving you exposed to failed imports, bad app integrations, or manual data entry errors that can corrupt your client's files that take you hours of work to manually restore it all, pretty much erasing all those great profit margins you have because you're using the cloud. Rewind automatically backs up your QuickBooks Online files and in a couple of clicks can restore your client's file to the way it was prior to any mishaps. As the leading cloud backup app, trusted by over eighty thousand organizations around the globe, Rewind has saved thousands of accounting professionals from mind-numbing manual data entry rework. To learn even more about Rewind and access a special offer just for listeners of the Cloud Accounting Podcast, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo/rewind. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo/rewind.
1: So that's all I got uh, this week that's like burning. What, what, anything else we should cover before we go? Yeah, I got like crazy quick app news. Service
0: Titan, which is an app that uh, adds on to QuickBooks and Zero, They already had a crazy $500 million raise for a valuation of $8.3 billion. So they're, they're a niche app for um, field service companies you know your hVAC guy etc another niche app bqE software which bqE is one of our first sponsors they are they're really focused on the uh, architecture engineering type firms they took an investment round and actually talked to Shafat who's the uh, founder of bqE core uh, yesterday on the phone a little bit and just to uh, understand where they're coming from on this so they're they're at the right time in the right place a lot of the competitors to bqE core are still desktop apps right and so they're they're aging out those those apps are aging out. This gives BQE with this investment round can go after those apps and go after that market, right? And not only that, as BQE takes this next step, now they need to hire out, you know, to become, you know, they need people, a CFO, a CTO. They, they Shafat can't run the whole company himself now, so it's it's taking that next level as they grow over the next five to six years, and that's what that investment round is. And then the other ones, which I really think is great, uh, Baco Tech, who's uh, ran a couple classified ads on us, Baco Tech. Got their CPA firm and they got a patent for a transaction-based workflow. So, what Baco Tech does, if you think about at the end of your accounting season, you gotta like rush around it to do all your general journal entries to close out the books or adjusting journal entries. What Baco Tech does is it connects to QuickBooks or Zero all year and reads the data and then automatically recognizes when transactions or adjusting transactions need to take place allows you to book those as the year goes along. So when it's time to do the tax return at the end, you're just ready to go. You have to do it. And they got a patent for that. So it's it's like continuous tax planning. Correct. So instead of you doing all your tax work once a year at the end, when you get the customer's business file, it's just doing it real time the whole year. And at the end of the year, you just- It's already ready. Hit the button, yeah, I love pop that. Pop up the tax report. they awesome. Ready to go. And they, he got, he got, they got a patent for it.
1: So that's it. But that's it. That wraps it up for the week for me. All right. Well, David, uh, until next week- Where can people find you if they want to take the conversation online? Uh, Easiest, I'm on all the socials, just David Leary. And I am at Blake T. Oliver. Do leave us a review. And hey, did we get a review this week? We got one review. We can read that quickly here. So this says, great show, five stars, entertaining and informative. I really look forward to each episode. Adam CPA via Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much, Adam. And uh, really appreciate you writing a review. If you are listening and you have not written a review, we really, really appreciate it. You can do that in Apple Podcasts, or you can head over to podchaser.com, look up the Cloud Accounting Podcast and write a review there if you're a non-Apple person. We really appreciate these reviews. They help people discover the show. And if you want to leave us a voicemail, give us a call. It's 202-695-1040. Let us know what you're thinking. Maybe you're on the road and you just want to kill some time while you're commuting. We love to hear from our listeners. You get a couple of minutes and we'll take a listen and we might even play that on the air. Uh, and last thing is I just want to say, I got some listener messages uh, about you know value pricing and on alternatives to the QuickBooks ACH fees. We didn't get a chance to get to those this week, David, but I, I want to make sure that we we hit that next week because I know a lot of people are suffering from now having to suddenly pay a lot more in ACH fees. Maybe we can talk about solutions to that. I, I'm I'm mid-writing up an FAQ on how to do this in Melio for free. So, <laughs> so we'll people t- can look forward to that. We'll talk about the Melio solution and some others to be fair, right? Uh on the on the show. Uh and then um I had a question from Danny who asked if uh I would be willing to share the metrics that I used in my firm to calculate prices uh, for bookkeeping, payroll, bill pay, all that stuff. And I said to him, I would go and see if I could find my old pricing matrix that I had built. This was, um, I think we discussed this last week, right? Is the idea of using a pricing matrix in Excel. And I found i found it. And I have some insights there I want to share with you guys. We couldn't get to it this week, but... It sounds like the perfect thing to put in your newsletter. <laughs> People should subscribe to it. I would love if you would subscribe to my newsletter. It is, uh, it is at BlakeOliver.com. You can head there and and put your email in and and you'll get my bi-monthly newsletter of news from this show and other stuff I find around the web. That's that's it, David. That's a wrap. Enjoy the rest of your day. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.
0: Time for the classifieds. I quickly wanted to let you know about a new project that I've been working on for the last year or so. I'm launching a podcast network called Accounting Podcast Network. It has new podcasts that I know you'll love, like the Accounting Salon Conversations podcast hosted by Amanda Aguilar and the Accounting Automation Workflows podcast, co-hosted by Brian Clare and Heather Satterley. Head over to AccountingPodcastNetwork.com. That's AccountingPodcastNetwork.com. With new tech coming out from around the world each day, how do you filter out the noise and find the best tech for your firm? Launch for Accountants is a tech discovery platform made for accounting firm owners. Here are just a few of the most popular launches from the month of January. A web-based tool for building narratives around your 10 key tapes, a PPP forgiveness utility, and a financial modeling platform that integrates with your entire cloud stack. To learn more, sign up for the weekly newsletter at launchfa.com. Looking to radically increase productivity as a QuickBooks ProAdvisor? Instead of juggling a tech stack with your practice, you can now track and manage your workflow, communicate with clients, and manage files all in one single, powerful, yet amazingly simple platform, ClientHub. When you leverage ClientHub's all-in-one platform that goes across your team and your clients, magic happens. Ready to start feeling that in your firm? Start your free trial at ClientHub.app today. Use promo code CAP25 to receive 25% off your first three months.